Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hi, everyone. It is Jamie here at Madlet Musings. And today I'm super excited because I have a fabulous author, Kimberly Duffy, with us. Kimberly's in the house. Hi. Hey. Um, so I'm really happy that you're here. And um, you're from Ohio, right? I'm from New York. I live in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this straight. I'm a New Yorker. Do not say I'm from Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I'm a New Yorker, born and bred. <laughs> I did not know I've been that. I've been in Ohio you. for 23 years, but I will always be from New York. You will always be from New York. Well, that that is that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> anyway, I was gonna comment about the weather, but now I have nothing more to say because New York is like just a cool place to go. So yeah. I've yeah. been there once. I've been to New York once, and it was just because of Niagara Falls. So that really doesn't say a whole lot about how much of the state I've actually seen. <laughs> Niagara Falls is gorgeous, but yeah, I mean there's Manhattan and Long Island and lots of yeah. Yeah, so are you from the, the city there, or? I'm from Long Island, so I was about an hour or so without traffic from the city, with traffic like 16 hours. <laughs> but yeah, I'm from the, mid right, right smack dab in the middle of Long Island. Okay, all right, yeah, so I would say Ohio is definitely kind of a shock to, you know, yeah. it would take 20 years to get over moving to Ohio. <laughs> it took me a really long time to get used to living here. It's very different. I did not, Yeah. I'm in Southern Ohio, so there's almost this kind of like Southern sensibility, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it's very different from New York. And so it took people a long time to know what to do with me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's always so interesting to find that there's so much cultural difference within our own nation, like from state yeah. to state. And you have like this Midwestern thing going on. And then all of a sudden there's New York and then California and then the deep South. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's just super fun. Yeah, It's super fun. So Kim, for readers who aren't familiar with who you are and what you write, I know I am, but you're probably going to explain it better. So well, why don't you tell us just a little bit about you and, and your books? Yeah. Well, I am a, I keep saying I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm not anymore. No, I'm a work-at-home mom, but I was a stay-at-home mom before for years and years and years, homeschooling mom, um, living in Cincinnati. Um, I write historical fiction and the stories are um, more women's fiction than romance, but there's always a strong romantic thread. And I would mm -hmm. say it's more, um, I, I dive into like heavier topics. So I definitely don't write like deep treats. But the, right. um, the subplots are always kind of complexly woven in. There's a lot of character growth. Focused on like relationships, mm -hmm. identity. Yeah. And you just came out with the book, The Weight of Air, mm -hmm. which is yeah. a gorgeous cover, by the way. Thank love you. It. Yeah. And The Weight yeah. of Air is, um, well, I'll just read a little bit off the back. Um, it's two women bound by blood torn apart by circumstance, find together that true strength comes in many forms. And your heroine is the strong woman mm -hmm. of the circus, which I thought was interesting. You picked a strong woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, like that. I know. I never read a book about a strong woman. No, <laughs> I haven't. Like no. the, the strong woman and the strong men are always kind of the side characters. You right. Know, yeah. The circus book plot. So yeah, kind of fun that. Yeah. Spotlight. Well, and it's kind of neat too, because you sort of juxtapose her against her mother, who is an aerialist, right? I'm saying that right? Yes, Correct. aerialist. 
yes an aerialist and so you've got like the beautiful graceful perspective and then that well I'm not saying Mabel's not beautiful and graceful but it's just a different type of beautiful and graceful when you're considered the strong woman and you're tall and right and all that so yeah they're very different um physically emotionally too but they're very different physically like it's kind of startling to Mm -hmm. see them kind of put against one another Right, right. And I would I would say as somebody who's halfway through the book and reading it, this is not a typical circus novel. So if somebody's like, I don't like the circus, that's okay. You're not going to get scared away by clowns and no. animal abuse and things like that. It's nothing like right. that. Um, I do love that you like to dive into the deeper topics too, that, which is great. So tell us a little bit about just the general story and, and what was on your heart when you wrote mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. So um, the book starts out with Mabel, whose father has just died off the page. I promised Christy Hunter that nobody would die in this book. <laughs> like we did a writing retreat together. You know, we every year we do this writing retreat with our writing group. And she okay. was like, and we, and we plotted on these like big pad of paper. We plotted each of our books that year. And she was like, no one dies of cholera. I'm like, no cholera. She's like, no one dies at all. I'm like, what about off the page? When somebody died off the page, she's like, I'll give you that. So, <laughs> I can them. never come to your writing group and meet with her. I can never promise that no one will die yeah, in my right. books. The prologue, her father is alive. But when the book mm-hmm. actually opens, chapter one, her father has just recently passed away. <clears throat> and they were in a strong person act together. Her mom, She lost her mother when she was very young. They were very close. So her, her and her father were very close. They worked together. Um, and she finds she's completely beset by stage fright. And she doesn't think she has the strength on her own to continue doing their show, continue doing their act. And she ends up losing her job because what's a strong woman who can't be strong, you know, who can't right. be strong. And she finds a clutch of letters in her father's trunk when she's going through it and discovers that her mother, who she thought had died when she was young, had actually left them. And so she decides that she wants some answers and she really deeply wants a relationship with her mother because she has no other family. And she goes off in search of her mother, um, Jake, is a family friend and he is an acrobat and he goes with her so that you know to keep her safe and so she's very sheltered she lived her whole life in this circus she doesn't have a lot of experience with the world mm-hmm. you know she's been kind of almost protected like the circus family came together kind of protect her which mm-hmm. she sees as you know these people don't think i'm strong enough to handle the truth but <clears throat> they just loved her and they want they wanted her protected so she doesn't have a lot of life experience so he goes along with her um, and they go to New York where she knew her mother was last and they kind of set out to find her and she does find her mother. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, I don't want to give the whole story away, but there's right. a lot of, um, past hurts that need to be mm-hmm. healed. And it's when I, when I initially started writing the book, Isabella, who's her mother, um, mm-hmm. was not meant to be a very, she wasn't even meant to be a big part of the story. She was more of like a side character who wasn't very nice. Okay. Sure. And then I started writing the story and she just did something totally different. And I, I, I had no intention of kind of diving into like the postpartum issues or anything like that. That wasn't even plotted. And I plot my book. So that, mm-hmm. that was kind of surprising to me. Okay. Um, but then I was like, why would she leave? You know, like I'm a mother, like nothing could induce me to leave my kids, except if I thought it was safer for them if I did. Right. And so I had to give her kind of a deeper reason for doing that and, and dive in, I dive into her story and that's kind of what came out. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and I was really glad that you dove into postpartum because I was something, I actually had postpartum with my second child mm-hmm. and um, totally related to Isabel's struggle. It was so remarkably believable um, that when she, 
went away like you kind of start the book with a prologue where she's leaving mm-hmm. it looks like she's going to go away for a little bit and then come mm-hmm. back like she just needs a break um and then her perspective as you get into the book and you're, I'm reading it and yeah she's struggling with the mom guilt of never mm-hmm. having gone back to her daughter but at the same time that that petrified terror is just this innate mm-hmm. feeling that kind of clutches at you from inside yeah. and t- I totally related to it and I think it's an extremely important um topic that needs to be outed mm-hmm. so that women don't feel like they're alone um yeah. to avoid those types of situations yeah yeah I struggled with postpartum OCD with my first two and postpartum depression okay. with my second two mm-hmm. I didn't know what I knew what postpartum depression was I didn't know what postpartum OCD was so okay. I thought I was going crazy I felt very isolated and um you know I have a grandparent who spent most of her adulthood in mental institutions so I sure. honestly thought I was going crazy and mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind like my grandmother. Um, but I, so I didn't know what it was. And yeah. this was 18 years ago, you know, so it wasn't something it's talked about more now, but it wasn't right. something that was discussed, especially in the church. Right. Then, right. Um, so you brought up, you know, I have these horrible feelings. I'm going to throw my child out of the window and people look at mm-hmm. me like you're crazy. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're this violent, horrible person. And I wasn't, I was terrified. Um, so then I was diagnosed after my second was born because it got really bad. I almost couldn't leave my house. Yeah. Um, I couldn't be left. Like I was so frightened all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I went and see it, saw a therapist, got diagnosed. And, and then my second two was postpartum depression. And it's just very isolating. And I don't know if you were, were you with that um, reader thing I did right before I left for Europe, the reader? Yes. You mm-hmm. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they had us like, you know, sitting on a panel and um, the person who's kind of facilitating the conversation asked the audience, the, the readers who were there, like, what would, what issue would you like to see, to see addressed in books? Mm-hmm. And one woman, the first woman who stood up was like, I want to see postpartum depression addressed. And I was like, oh, I just finished writing this book. Right. You know? But I sat with her at lunch and there were a bunch of other women at the table and we talked about our experiences. And it just struck me how alone these women feel. And I, I know how alone they felt because I felt mm-hmm. that way. But like, I just, it needs to be something that's talked about, you know, and I, yeah. there's, there's so much shame attached to it. Like it we're becoming a society more accepting, I think, of mental health struggles, which I think right. is good. Right. I don't know that we made that many inroads in the church which kind of makes me sad but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. when it comes to postpartum issues there's still this shame because it's supposed to be the happiest most joyful moment of your life and you're not feeling that way no. you know and you no. love your child so deeply and you feel like such a failure as a mother and you feel like your body is feeling you and your mind is feeling you and you're failing your baby and it's just mm-hmm. it, and you're exhausted and if you're nursing mm-hmm. you're you know and you have all these hormones it's just a really vulnerable time it's a very vulnerable time and you're you're right I mean I think like you said society as a whole is becoming more accepting of mental health issues um I think the church um as a whole has a long way to go um and I think part of that's because and this is my personal theory but I think part of it's because we have that conundrum of faith and functioning and the concept that the Lord can heal you. The Lord will give you the faith. If you just believe, if you just Mm -hmm. have strength. And I had people, you know, encouraging me to pray more or Mm -hmm. investigate my past to try and figure out what I had done. Yeah. Yeah, Root out the secret sin that I had somehow committed. And I'm like, well, if it's that secret and I don't know it, then (laughs) we have a serious issue. (laughs) I mean, but you do, you kind of get to this point, like, let me make something up quick and take it before God and confess. So this will just stop. Right. And that's not how it works. And, you know, my husband in, in my experience, 
was really the hero in in this one because I I had actually called my sister in law and asked her to come get my son, um, mm-hmm. and just take him away and raise him. So she called my husband, and within an hour he was on the phone with my doctor and said, you know, this isn't something I'm going to sit and pray over her on and expect it to right. be healed. We're going to get her help, and and mm-hmm. that's what we did. And you know, there's there's a lot of medical help and such that can be mm-hmm. involved there, but. Um, my point with this long, long ranting diatribe is just the concept of within Christianity coming alongside does not necessarily mean pushing somebody to investigate how strong their faith is. Right. Right. Absolutely. And we're body, mind, and spirit and all those things kind of work together Mm -hmm. in tandem and some things, some things are just very physical. And I know Christians sometimes struggle with that, but some things are just physical. You know, if you have, if you have that much hormone disruption and then in our culture, you know, 200 years ago, the community came around a pregnant woman. And when she had the baby, she would rest for a month in her bed while people took care of her house. And things, right. You know, right. you have any, like two days after you have a baby, your husband's stuck at work. You have to get mm-hmm. the kids school. Like you're having all these nursing issues. There are no women coming around saying, Hey, maybe you should try this. You know, like it's, we, we live in a culture that just doesn't allow for rest, you know? Right. And so you have that and. So some things are just physical, like they're just hormonally mm-hmm. driven or there's finances in your brain that aren't firing right, you know, and I, I know there are a lot of Christians who really struggle with, with that, that yeah. thing. And I wanted to write this story. I like exploring women's issues from like a historical perspective. I've always been really fascinated with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so after my fourth was born, I finally, I finally got help. And I was like, I have four kids. Like I can't, you know, at six weeks, it was exactly six weeks, always six weeks for me. I. I like was sitting in the kitchen and getting like the countertop, like weeping, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, like I can't do this. So I, I did start medication and uh-huh. I mean, it, it helped. I was on it for a year. It uh-huh. helped me function, you know, but in 1900, 1880s, they didn't have that. And they didn't even have an understanding of what postpartum depression was or right. postpartum obesity. So how did these people like, imagine like we feel so much shame, even knowing what it is. Uh-huh. Like imagine how this poor, this poor woman would have felt not like, not realizing it was some like, you know, deficit in her. Right. Right. Like, how would she explain that? How would everybody else Mm -hmm. explain that? Well, and it's true. And I mean, you mentioned with your experience of being afraid of, you know, mental illness because of family history. And you look at that time period and I mean, they were institutionalizing people for grief. I mean, for Mm -hmm. grieving or for epilepsy and all these unexplained things. In fact, when I was doing research for one of my books on an asylum, there was actually a story that I ran across where, um, and it talks about societal power in the lives mm-hmm. of people struggling, because in this situation, this woman liked to sunbathe because she felt better, shock, vitamin D and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, right? It makes you feel better. Her neighbors were offended by the fact that she was sunbathing half clad they reported her, nothing changed. And so their one neighbor went to the local powers that be and said that she was mentally ill and they committed her. It's not um, and I'm just like, that's so, I mean, and that was back in 18 something, I was reading it in a newspaper. So it, it actually happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like the power of society mm-hmm. at that point in time to be able mm-hmm. to say you're, you're insane or you're yeah. whatever. So yeah, if they don't like something they're doing, <laughs> right, right. So and husbands it... could, I mean, husbands could commit their wives for any reason. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Until like what the 1960s or something like that. 
yeah, it's crazy how recent yeah. it really is that that has stopped. Um, I was surprised. And I, I find it really interesting because I, you know, I have like autoimmune issues and stuff. And so mm-hmm. my whole life, since I was 15, I've, I had, my thyroid was irradiated. I had Graves' disease. Mm-hmm. I've kind of been in the medical system for my thyroid issues, you know, and I have a daughter with thyroid disease. And so it, it hasn't changed much. Like when it comes to women in the medical system, there's this disbelief that you're really dealing with something physical. It's always described. I had a doctor once my hair was falling out in clumps, like, cause mm-hmm. the medication wasn't working for me. Like literally falling. I like, I had clumps of hair pull out. I was getting lost in my, my brain fog was so bad. I got lost, like less than half a mile away from my house and called my husband crying. He's like, where are you? I'm like, I think I'm in the Kroger parking lot. I don't know how to get out. Like that's how bad my oh, brain fog was. Yeah, I felt yeah. like I was going to die. Like I really felt yeah. like I was going to die. And I went to my endocrinologist and he was like, you're just depressed. I'm going to give you an antidepressant. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, the last I like heard my hair pulling out wasn't like a depression. Like there's something physically wrong with me. My medication. And he did not listen to me. Like yeah. he knew it. I was a crazy emotional woman, you know, and my husband, mm-hmm. he's like, I didn't believe you until I went with you. I didn't believe that this is how doctors were treating me until I went with you and saw it. You know, mm-hmm. he was infuriated, right? Because mm-hmm. he wanted his wife back. Right. Like, it, it happens still today. Yeah. Women are disbelieved. They're, they're things that are physical are ascribed to their mental health, their emotions, and it's it's horrifying. It's still happening today. Right, right. No, I relate to you. I have um, chronic Lyme disease, which is neurological for me. It's it's landed in my brain and will never leave. And so the stories you're telling are very, I've experienced very similar things to the point where I was admitted to the ICU because I couldn't even, I didn't know who my children were. My husband was showing pictures of them on the phone and I'm like, who's that cute kid? And he's like, that's your son. And I'm like, oh, um, And I was diagnosed because they couldn't figure out at the time what the situation was. They diagnosed me with PTSD. Mm. And um, when I finally came to enough, I told my husband, I said, you know, that's really offensive to people who actually have PTSD Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because this is not PTSD, but so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, You have to be your own advocate. You do. You have to be your own advocate. And, um, yeah, I, like you said, it's, it's mind, body, and spirit. And so there's an element of faith that goes into things. Mm-hmm. There's also an element of the physical taking care of your body, et cetera. And then yeah. there's the, the element of, of the medical that kind of all comes together as one perfect pitch. So, yeah. um, anyway, kudos for tackling a heavy topic yeah. in, a, in the book. I think it's critical. Mm-hmm. And I love that fiction gives us the outlet to do that. So mm-hmm. let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the book and um, everything else. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. All right, we're back here at MADLIT Musings, and we are talking with Kimberly Duffy. And we're talking about her book, The Weight of Air, um, which released just a month or two ago, I believe. Um, February 4th. February 4th, right. Mm-hmm. And we have already dived, dove, dived. Dove. Yeah. 
I don't know, whatever. Maybe it is. I could die earlier, we've, but I think we've, we've, we've dived dove <laughs> deep into the postpartum <laughs> depression elements of this and our own personal thoughts on the struggles that women experience um, both both historically and still today when it comes to mental health and um, emotional support. Um, tell me a little bit about Mabel, though, because we talked about her mother. But Mabel's really the primary character in this. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I have found really striking with her is she's the strong woman, but really the way you framed her character is she's very childlike inside. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us what you were going for when you created Mabel. Yeah. So when I was planning her character, excuse me, when I was planning her character, I, you know, considered, I, I like flipping things on their, you know, on their end. I don't like writing stories or characters that people expect right so I know when I was writing a strong woman I knew that people would expect her to have a bigger than life personality be very driven a lot of my characters are very driven my female characters are driven be very driven and like strong a body mind and spirit and I kind of didn't want to go there and I wanted to show the full spectrum of the feminine experience you know Mm -hmm. because I believe that women can be six foot tall in 200 pounds and lift weights and be and beat men at wrestling contests and still be feminine you know and still be womanly and so I wanted to kind of explore that sort of idea that this woman who physically is extremely I don't want to say masculine but it's just is not what the ideal would have been back then you know an ideal right she kind of breaks those stereotypes but she's also she knows she loves fashion and she has a good eye for color and she has this very tender heart and she's mm-hmm. she has been very sheltered and she has a very sweet spirit you know she's a very forgiving kind person very soft mm-hmm. you know and I wanted to kind of juxtapose those two things because I think it made for a really interesting character and it was fun too it was a lot of fun to write her you know because I was able to do you know not do what the things that people expected right right and I love that because it's it's fun to have those different expectations and have them flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because I was reading it and I'm like, at first I was like, wow, this is this is really <laughs> revealing my own. I don't want to say prejudice, but it's probably what it is. When I read a book about a hero and I'm I'm picturing feminine, delicate, pretty. I mean, mm-hmm. even things that I wish I was that I'm not, you know. And now I've got this woman who's six foot tall. She's stronger than the guy she's with. And mm-hmm. yeah, you write her where she's, you know, you can tell she's pretty, like she's not this mm-hmm. brutish person, right. but it was at first, my brain was like, oh, I got to wrap around this. And then I was like, you awful person, I was <laughs> insulting myself, you horrible person. You're finally getting a character who probably actually is more like you than you realize in physical appearance. <laughs> well, you know, we, we're raised with this, these constant images of what beauty is. Yeah. when it comes to women and there's not such a thing for men for the most part like there are all kinds of men in television and film and in print you know who aren't Chris Pratt now you know <laughs> like 20 years ago Chris Pratt wasn't Chris Pratt I was gonna say I just saw a TikTok of him in what is it Parks and Re- Rex and Park or whatever that was and I was like oh you don't yeah, look like you do now I don't know what happened but <laughs> but there's I mean I I think there's such beauty in, in diversity you know, and my grandmother was actually almost six foot tall and she was born oh, okay. in, I don't know, like 1914 or something. But so she did these like beauty pageants and stuff. She would sneak out of the house. She was in this big Italian, like big Catholic Italian family. Um, she would sneak out of the house and do beauty pageants and stuff. But she was so tall and like just, she was always bigger 
than this mm-hmm. tiny little, and I'm not a small person, right? So I just, yeah, I wanted to write, I get bored. I get bored of the yeah. same, you yeah. know? Yeah. I want to write yeah. something different. No, it's true. I had a reader um, email me the other day and she was, she says, I know this is a really weird request. She says, but do you know of any books that have women who are under five foot five and weigh over 200 pounds? Because mm-hmm. she says, there's just, I, there's not, she's like, I'm not saying it's bad, but there's not a lot of representation for those of us that are smaller yeah. and, and curvy. And I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm. you've got a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah. And why? It's so weird to I me. Don't know. Like, I why? Because I, I think, yeah, it's a stigma. And like you said, yeah, I, I, I have readers that love my bookish heroes or the ones that aren't super attractive. But if I write a unattractive female, I'm a little bit worried as to whether the book will even sell. I mean, it literally right. that crosses your mind. Will the book sell if my heroine is, you know, yeah. ugly? Or how and the truth is, is most of the population, we're all just kind of average looking. <laughs> like they are outliers. Yes, yeah. But most of us just like, like normal people. We're not like super fit. You know, we, we don't have like. Hey, speak for yourself, like, Kim. Right? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the double digits when it comes to sizes. So let's talk about that. Come on. <laughs> right. I think I was right. a size a size two when I was two, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the character fun. I'm writing right now in my current work, I actually just finished the book, but she is not a larger person, but she has really thick calves. And not okay. from like working out, like because I gave her my calves because it's like my least favorite part of my body, and I'm like always oh, like they don't fit the rest of my body. Like I, I told my husband, I'm like I look like a Hungarian potato farmer from the turn of the century. Like thick, uh-huh. like calves <laughs> meant for farm work. <laughs> like if I do work out, they just get bigger. Well, see that that would have made you a perfect bride for a farmer back in the day. <laughs> yes, this is the woman that I want. She's got She's good so calves. <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> 30 ankles <laughs> like I don't have those like you know like romance novels are just like she had dainty ankles <laughs> yes, I, oh gosh no I can't even put a bracelet around my ankles they're always swollen <laughs> from my autoimmune I'm just like don't look at my whale feet <laughs> oh fun um okay so this book in short is a must read I give it a five star rating even though I'm only halfway through because I just know I'm gonna get a five star um and there is so much faith woven through the lives of these characters and to me that's so important in a book um where i'm reading a story with characters that are struggling characters that are relatable and characters whose faith um is just infused it's not preached through the words necessarily or these you know beautiful sermons from a pulpit but it's infused through the lives of the character because really faith is organic through mm-hmm. our life journey it, it grows within us organically um, and most of us, if we're really honest, don't have these mountaintop faith experiences or these evangelical in your face faith moments on a regular basis. It's just daily flipping life. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. So if people want to read a really good book filled with really relatable issues, women who are real. Hello. That's important. Um, definitely try out The Weight of Air by Kimberly Duffy. And um, how do readers find out more about you and other books that you've written? Yeah, so you can go to my website, www.kimberlyduffy.com. There is, if you sign up for my newsletter, there is a little free short story that will be sent to you. I am not very regular with my newsletter. I'm really bad at it. I need to hire Jamie to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I send it out like maybe once every two or three months if I'm lucky. 
Um, so you won't be inundated with the messages. Hey, that's that. a really good reason to sign up. <laughs> no spam. But you will be the first. <laughs> You'll be the first to get like industry news and stuff. Like yeah. That. Um, not as often as I like, but again, you will. Pretty stuff. Right. So right. I'm also on Instagram, so it's author Kimberly Duffy. Um, I'm on Facebook, but not as active. So if you want to connect with Duffy. Instagram is great. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Kim, thank you so much for being with us today and um, want to continue to see more from you in the future because I think your books are critical for people who want to read fiction with a deeper dive into life. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.